no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. The one I liked the least was actually Antonio Pierce. It felt to me like you were letting the players pick the coach. And the coach should, if they're good, outlast all of the players. If you're actually doing it right. And so what he did was very impressive. But how much of it is what he did versus they would have done it for anybody that wasn't Josh McDaniels? They were smoking cigars when McDaniels got fired. (laughs) He was so hated. He's one of the least likable people in the thing. So it's not even really an anti-Antonio Pierce thing. But if Antonio Pierce would have not gotten that job, does he get the Seahawks job? No, the players, he, the players should know that Josh McDaniels hired Antonio Pierce. That would be a red flag for me that he brought him in there to be an assistant coach. So, like, I, it's really nothing against Antonio Pierce, except it's more against the process that led to it. I just don't believe that that's the best they could have done if they would have scanned far and wide. And it felt like you were listening too much to the players who are always like. If you if, if if the if Ryan Poles listened to the Bears players, they would draft Justin. They would keep Justin Fields because he's popular in the locker room. You know what I mean? You can't you cannot let the players make hirings and firings and make draft picks and make things that are supposed to be done at a level that is above them. So it just I hated the process that led to it. I think Gerard Mayo is worse. No offense to him, he sounds really bright and sharp when I when I watched that press conference with Kraft I thought he came across as very impressive in that there was I mean he showed more personality in that interview and that press conference than Belichick had in the 20 plus years he was in New England when he would deal with Boston reporters but it's the process there they just passed the torch to somebody and it's and it's a defensive guy I thought New England needed a complete facelift I thought they needed an, an entire overhaul. I thought they needed a fresh start and a clean start and a complete break from the Belichick way of doing things. We saw the, the way the rest of the league viewed Belichick, obviously more so because he wants his hands and fingerprints on everything and not just coaching. And that's why he didn't get hired. He didn't want to just stick to coaching. Um, but I, I don't, I, I didn't understand that just now it's going to be Alex Van Pelt is the offensive coordinator there. You kidding me? The guys hasn't called plays. I don't think since he was in Buffalo in 08, he was just the court. He was the offensive coordinator, but Stefanski did all the heavy lifting there. You're going to get one of these big picks. That's your brain trust, a journeyman offensive coach in Gerard Mayo for the third pick, you know, whoever is left between Drake may and Jaden Daniels. Come on, Danny. That's ridiculous. That's a terrible I, job by them. How do you not even interview a bunch of people there and say, are we sure we just want to do this and have the guy in waiting get the job? Brutal. I I Listen, it feels like he was hired to be fired. And I know they say they all are hired to be fired, but it felt like he was hired to be fired. Because again, it's nothing about him. He was incredibly impressive. But 
What's their path to winning? Their roster is terrible. He's a first-time coach. He's the guy who follows the legend. And they're going to get the third quarterback in the draft, presumably, who's probably going to have to play as a rookie. That He goes 4-13. He's a prime candidate to be fired after one year. When I'm not sure that Chuck Knoll and Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells reincarnate on this staff, on a super staff, could get next year's Patriots team in that circumstance to much better than 6-11. and 11. So I just think he is, he is like, he might be a great poker player, but if you're only dealt Jack Deuce offsuit every hand, you're going to get eliminated from the tournament eventually. I just think that he has been dealt a terrible hand here. The Dan Quinn one, I, I'm just flabbergasted by that. Ben Johnson apparently is going to be the most selective human being of all time when it comes to finding the head coaching gig. And Mark Slayer at the Fox Sports said he had a a production meeting with Johnson this year doing a game, and Johnson said the only job he would take was the Chargers job. Probably should have notified all those other teams out there before he wasted their time with meetings and interviews that that was his objective or plan. But, I mean, you hired a coach. Again, same situation as New England. You're going to draft a quarterback second. You hired a coach who right now is synonymous with two things. A horrible defensive game plan and performance in their playoff game. And before that, he choked away a Super Bowl. And that's your guy? I just, I'm, you brought it up before. If Mike McCarthy gets fired in Dallas, Dan Quinn is a coaching free agent probably. And this guy gets promoted. He gets a he gets a better gig for that meltdown. He's McCarthy been talked kept his about job and this get, guy got another job. It's it's just it boggles my mind. See, I think that they were left at the altar with Ben Johnson, and they went then for very safe. Everybody be enemy. Do that. That's not safe, man. Not everybody likes him. Apparently, no one likes him other than Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid from the sounds of things. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that's not safe. Dan Quinn has been a head coach before. Everyone swears by the leadership. He knows the division. And he's apparently a great culture leader in the building guy. Like holds everybody accountable. Everybody likes working with it. You know what I mean? So I just, it struck me as safe. Which, okay, new ownership comes in. We don't want any problems. I would think relatively low ceiling, relatively high floor is how the Dan Quinn hire. I mean, dude, every people in the NFL have been talking about Dan Quinn getting a second job since he got fired from his first job. Immediately. The best, the best thing that's happened to Dan Quinn, in my opinion, is not what went on in Dallas with the way their defense uh, performed in the regular season the last few years. It's that he had Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta and Shanahan has gone on to be the best offensive coach other than Andy Reid in the NFL. And I'm guessing in his interviews, that's what he said. I, I was the guy that brought Kyle Shanahan to Atlanta. He turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. He's in San Francisco now with a system that's like quarterback proof. 
I can find the next Kyle Shanahan to be my offensive coordinator. Trust me. Here's my list. Any one of these guys is going to be because other there, there's no other reason why you'd hire a defensive coach right now when you've got the second pick in the draft and you're taking Drake Mayer Daniels. Why else would you do that? Why would you trust him to do that? I agree. You've been talking about that in Chicago with Eberflus and Caleb Williams for literally months, Danny. Yep. Yep. I I agree. I listen. I think it's I, I think it's safe for the culture. I would not have done it given the quarterback situation. I gotta say. The Brian Callahan thing, I know he's been a hot name, but, and I don't know the guy at all, but when Green Bay lost Luke Getze and Nathaniel Hackett, Hackett obviously got a head coaching job, failed, then goes to the Jets. Getze got a head coaching interview, didn't get it, goes to the Bears, failed. And the Packers keep on running with Matt LaFleur. It was instructive to me of the offensive guy under the offensive head coach who has never called plays. Like, Callahan is getting some credit, and maybe he deserves it, but maybe he doesn't for Joe Burrow got hurt and the Bengals' offense was still pretty good. Is that because of Brian Callahan? Or is that because of Zach Taylor? Or is that because of their roster? Like, they fired Mike Vrabel, who I guess rubbed some people the wrong way and the relationship just soured and ended and all good things come to an end. But that guy overachieved in Tennessee. And now you go get a guy who is not an NFL play caller, who had a top three quarterback in the world for the majority of his time there, under an offensive head coach, And he goes to a situation without anything proven at quarterback. I mean, it's 50-50 at best that that guy's a coach there in three years. That's a tough spot to go to. Yeah, and I thought Levis had his moments, but I would not trust him to be my uh, saving grace quarterback. Mike McDaniel, I think, helps guys like Callahan. He never called the plays in San Francisco. Look at him offensively in Miami. They had the second-ranked offense in the league, so that's – Something that I think helps these guys that are just kind of watching the head coach who calls the plays. Um, oh, and I mean, and, and for some of them, it works. Yeah. Look well, LaFleur, Taylor, guys who come off the McVeigh tree, right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it never works. I'm saying it's a risk. Sure. And he goes to a place without an established quarterback. So it's like, it's like a, he hasn't called no. the plays and he doesn't have the quarterback. That's no doubt. That, that's risky. Well, I don't think he gets hired if, if he's not the son of Bill Callahan, one of the greatest offensive line coaches of all time. And someone who coached in a Super Bowl, like that's part of it. I think the NFL loves names. They love guys with um, uh, a legacy. I mean, that's why Vince Lombardi's what's it, the grandson there. Joe Lombardi just keeps getting jobs. He was putrid as the Chargers offensive coordinator. He just keeps landing on his feet places. If his name's Joe Parkins, I don't think he's getting those jobs. You know, I mean, that's just the NFL does that. It recycles names. And so I think Callahan's going to get a shot now because in part he has a family legacy in the league. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that hire did not really move the needle for me much either. Danny, I give that like a C. I was, I'm, I love the Raheem Morris story. I'm glad he got another shot. I think it's really cool how he took steps back and went to the offensive side of the ball and grinded and worked his way back up and everybody loves him. 
And you frankly don't, it's rarer to see uh, a black head coach get a second chance, which a black defensive coach uh, to get, to get a second chance. So all of those things about Raheem Morris, I really like the only thing that I was maybe a little, I should not have been surprised, but the defense in Atlanta was pretty good and it was getting better. And they fired Nielsen's defensive staff. Like he's taking it over and putting in his guys, which obviously is any head coach's right. But the issue on for Atlanta was they didn't have a quarterback. We still don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. And three top 10 picks at skill position in London, Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts, all underachieved and underproduced. So I'm not sure this solves that. And it at least brings in some degree of risk on if he can maximize that defensive personnel that was playing well. So I love the story, but I think it's still very TBD on whether or not it fixes their problem. Well, let's end on that note because I can tell you're, you're, you're getting to the point where you're ready because you just called him Neil Smith and not Arthur Smith. So you're thinking about Ryan Nielsen. The, oh, the, I thought you said Neil Smith talking about your old Chiefs days. No, there. no, no, We're Ryan gonna... Nielsen. The okay, defensive... gotcha. I'm, I'm saying okay. he. I'm saying he yes, came he in. Been, and he like, should have been retained. I, I was, I was, I like I said, I should not have been surprised because, of course, a defensive coach is going to want to bring in his own defensive guy. Of course, yeah. But I was like, oh, damn. That well, was I give you credit. I mean, that. this is why we do every team every week. You know, you're getting down to nitty gritty. You know the assistant coaches in Atlanta, so well, I give you props, man. I mean, they were good. They were good. Well, did we, we skipped one, right? Oh, McDonald, Mike McDonald in Seattle. Why? Yeah. Why? Why do that? I understand. They had the number one defense in the entire NFL this year. Um, here's what happens with me. I watch. I watch a team losing the playoffs and I'm like scarred by it. And I'm not even going to say that Baltimore had a bad uh, defensive performance. They shut out Kansas City in the second half, even though they let them come right down the field to start the game. And they couldn't you know, harass uh, Mahomes into turning the ball over, making really any stupid plays in that game. I guess I'm just overall stunned by the number of defensive coaches who got jobs. And I'll, use Mike, I'll use Mike McDonald as my way of expressing my uh complete uh and five out of eight right five yeah, out of eight that it's just wait more guys that are gonna have to also make the critical hire of finding the right offensive coach to go with that so mcdonald gets rave reviews he's super young he's 36 years years old i think he did one of the best assistant coaching jobs in the entire nfl this year 